Numbers chapter 20. The children of Israel, even the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month. The people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. There was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. The people quarrelled with Moses and spoke, saying, We wish that we had died when our brothers died before Yahweh. Why have you brought Yahweh's assembly into this wilderness, that we should die there, we and our edibles? Why have you made us to come out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place of seed, or of figs, or of vines, or of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tent of meeting, and fell on their faces. Yahweh's glory appeared to them. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron your brother, and speak to the rock before their eyes, that it pour out its water. You shall bring water to them out of the rock, so you shall give the congregation and their livestock drink. Moses took the rod from before Yahweh as he commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water out of this rock for you? Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his rod twice, and water came out abundantly. The congregation and their livestock drank. Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron, Because you didn't believe in me to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, because the children of Israel strove with Yahweh, and he was sanctified in them. Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom, saying, Your brother Israel says, You know all the travail that has happened to us, how our fathers went down into Egypt, and we lived in Egypt a long time. The Egyptians mistreated us and our fathers. When we cried to Yahweh, he heard our voice and sent an angel and brought us out of Egypt. Behold, we are in Kadesh a city in the edge of your border. Please, let us pass through your land. We will not pass through field or through vineyard, neither will we drink from the water of the wells. We will go along the king's highway. We will not turn away to the right hand nor to the left until we have passed your border. Edom said to him, You shall not pass through me, lest I come out with the sword against you. The children of Israel said to him, We will go up by the highway, and if we drink your water, I and my livestock, then I will give its price. Only let me, without doing anything else, pass through on my feet. He said, You shall not pass through. Edom came out against him with many people and with a strong hand. Thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through his border. So Israel turned away from him. They travelled from Kadesh, and the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, came to Mount Hor. Yahweh spoke to Moses and Aaron in Mount Hor, to Moses and Aaron by the border of the land of Edom, saying, Aaron shall be gathered to his people, for he shall not enter into the land which I have given you to the children of Israel, because you rebelled against my word at the waters of Meribah. Take Aaron and Eleazar his son, bring them up to Mount Hor, and strip Aaron of his garments, and put them on Eleazar his son. Aaron shall be gathered and shall die there. Moses did as Yahweh commanded. 
They went up onto Mount Hor in the sight of all the congregation. Moses stripped Aaron of his garments and put them on Eleazar his son. Aaron died there on top of the mountain, and Moses and Eleazar came down from the mountain. When all the congregation saw that Aaron was dead, they wept for Aaron thirty days, even all the house of Israel. So the children of Israel have been in the desert now for almost 40 years. It's, you can't really, it's not very clear from reading numbers just normally that the, this amount of time has just passed. But 38 and a half or so years have just passed in the last five to six chapters. And um, Moses doesn't seem to have said much about it all. There's just these few little things that are mentioned. And I guess life was pretty much the same every day. You could imagine living in the desert, day in, day out, manna coming from the sky. It's just very routine based. And contrary to what we often think, we often think they were moving around the entire 38 years, but they weren't. They were mostly in this one location for 38 years. It had a good water supply and they just stayed there. They did move around a little bit, but they were mostly in this one spot. But now at the start of this chapter, they start to move. And it's because the 40 years are up. They're now heading towards the promised land and they get to this place where there's no water. And so now they're um, going to experience what they experienced 40 years ago. When they first came out of Egypt, they came to the waters of Mara, the location of Mara, which means bitterness. There was no water. The water there was bitter. They complained. Well, they're now repeating this all over again, but this is a different group of people. And they complain and they grumble. And um, so Moses is going to go to God again and, and there's going to be another water producing miracle. And so Moses is told by the Lord, the Lord says, take your rod, but speak to the rock. Now the rod has been the thing that Moses has used over and over and over again to perform miracles. But God tells him to take the rod, but speak. And I, I'm not really sure why Moses didn't speak to the rock. Because he took the rod, it says, we just read it, he took the rod as the Lord commanded, and then he struck the rock twice with his rod. And I don't know whether he just got used to trusting his rod, knowing that the Lord always worked through it, or whether he forgot. I, I'm not really sure what happened here, but Moses did not do what the Lord said. Instead of speaking to the rock, he struck it twice. Now water came out. The Lord provided just the same, and that's the grace of the Lord. But the result of that was that the Lord was displeased with Moses and Aaron, and he said that they were not going to go into the promised land. And at the end of this chapter, Aaron dies. And so in thinking about this, I realize that this is it's beautiful and tragic at the same time. So it's, the tragic part's obvious. Moses has done so much for these people of Israel that you'd think he, of, all, of anyone in this crowd, he deserves to make it into the promised land. So that's the tragic part. But it's beautiful in a few ways. First of all, you know, and Moses is so faithful, and I included here in my notes this scripture from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 2, that says, Moses was faithful in all of God's house. You can't imagine anyone more faithful and more devoted, more committed, dedicated, someone who did things better than Moses. 
And it's no wonder the Bible says he was faithful in all of God's house, Hebrews 3.2. But even so, he made this one mistake and God didn't take him in. That's what's so tragic about it. But it's beautiful too. Let me read what I've written here. It's so beautiful for both Moses and the people. First, we see God's mercy in taking Moses to be with himself. Moses doesn't complain. Now, I'm not reading. I don't think Moses complained because I think Moses was happier this way. I think Moses realized this had been a gigantic job looking after these Israelites. And he'd said to the Lord many times, he said, you know, these are your people. I can't handle this. Too much for me. He'd said these types of things. And I think when the Lord said, you're not going to go in, you're going to die, I think Moses breathed a sigh of relief, like, ah, it's all about to be over. (laughs) And I think Moses was relieved. And I think the Lord knew Moses was going to be relieved too. And I think there's something beautiful in all of that, that even though he was being judged, it was the Lord's mercy as well. And I have to tell you that if you're the Lord, there are times he judges you, but it's always his mercy as well. It's never only just mean judgment. The Lord always judges in mercy. And so um, it's always a blessing that comes out of it. And um, But it's also a blessing to the people because there's two reasons why this is a blessing to the people. First of all, it's a blessing to Joshua because Joshua is going to be the leader that takes over from Moses and Joshua is not going to have Moses looking over his shoulder. He's going to be his own man And um, I think that's really, really good. I think it's exactly what Joshua needs and God knows it. And Joshua is the perfect person to take them into the promised land. So that's one level of blessing. But on the other hand, there's a blessing in it that we wouldn't normally think of. And, And here it is. In the Egyptian way of thinking, and you've got to remember that a lot of these people have only come out of Egypt just 40 years earlier and they think very much like Egyptians. You yourself know that you can be saved and um, your heart's been changed, but your brain is still the old brain and it takes years to start to think like a Christian, to think the way the Lord wants you to think. There's a process at work. And sometimes you, you only change a little bit in the course of your life and then your children, you know, they pick up from where you are and they, they change a bit more and it can take generations I mean, a really good example of this is um, in North America with African-American people. None of them have experienced slavery. None of them. But the effects of slavery, which, you know, they, they're back in the 1800, it was the 1800s that the Civil War happened. The effects of slavery still strongly affect them today. And they're still working it out. And so we, we have to be sympathetic on one hand, we'd be prayerful to help them on another hand, but that's just an example. We all we all have historic situations that affect us today, even things that happened hundreds of years ago. And here, we've got these Israelites that only came out of Egypt 40 years earlier, and they still think very much like Egyptians. And one of the things that Egyptian people thought was that the leader was God. So they think very much that Moses is like God to them. Now Moses knows he's not, but they still equate all the things that Moses is doing as being like God is doing them, and that's true in a sense. But here we've got an example of Moses being punished by God, and now you've got the differentiation 
that Moses is not God. And that's really, really good for the people. It's really good to have this idea just shattered and broken that Moses, they finally see Moses isn't in control. All the things that have been, that, that have been happening, they've been grumbling against Moses, thinking that Moses was able to do something. But it was the Lord that was bringing them to these places. It was the Lord that was leading them. And now Moses does something wrong and he is also disciplined. And the people see this very clear example. Moses is not God and a piece of their old way of thinking falls away, or at least we hope it does. <coughs> and so there, there are, it's this particular moment where Moses is judged is tragic, but it's beautiful in so many ways, and the mercy of God is in it. And there are times in our lives where God chooses to do things that don't seem nice, but they're full of God's mercy, and we always have to trust him. Finally, at the end of this chapter, they seek permission from the country of Edom to shortcut through. So they're trying to get to Canaan. They want to get there. They're going to begin the conquest of the promised land. And Edom is a country that's in the way. Now, Edom is Esau. It's all the descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother. So these are brother countries. And they ask permission to go up the king's highway. Now, it's not a highway like a highway where we drive cars today, not that type of a highway. But there were designated routes in the ancient world where people would walk. And there was this path called the King's Highway, which linked numbers of nations together, and a lot of trade used to happen along it. And they're basically requesting permission to go down this highway, which is a walking route, but Edom refuses permission and brings the army out and says, no, you're not going to. They don't attack their fellow brother nation. Instead, they decide they're going to go around. And this looks like a huge setback. Because instead of being able to go in easily and quickly, straight into Canaan, they just, in the end, have to go the long way around, which we're going to read in the next few chapters. But what looks like a setback right here turns out to be a setup. Because by going the long way around, they end up encountering other nations, the nation of the Amorites, the nation of Bashan, and they end up defeating those two nations and conquering a huge big amount of territory they would probably not have conquered otherwise. And so the Lord, he, he took this all into account and it all turned out for, in, a, in the short term, it looked like a setback, but in the long term, it turned out to be a great blessing. And that happens to us as well. Sometimes there are things that we think we want, we pray for them, we say, Lord, give this to me. The Lord may even have promised to give us something and we think, we, you know, this is what's going to happen because the Lord's promised us, but it, it, there's a setback. We're not getting it. For some reason, it's not just falling into place. But later on, five years later, we look back on it and we realize, wow, when that happened, that was the door to this other thing, which was what God promised, but even more. And that happens all the time if you're walking with the Lord and you've walked with the Lord for any number of years, you'll have some of these examples start to happen. And so what happens in my life and in the lives of many other Christians is when there is a setback, instead of grumbling and complaining against the Lord, we may not enjoy it, but we realize God's up to something and something far better is around the corner. Lord, we put our trust in you. We acknowledge that there are setbacks in life. And, um, but Lord, you do have far better things in store for us. And we contemplate 
just now the mercies of God, that even in your dealings with us, like you dealt with Moses, and even though it was your judgment, it was full of your mercy. And we contemplate right now the mercy of God toward us every day. And Lord, I thank you that you don't always give us what we want, and um, but your grace is always present to us. And so we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you that we have Christ. And we, we, we found a place unlike any other. Lord, we honor you this morning. We worship you for all you have done in Jesus' name.